Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Bikes and Big Ideas on the Blister Podcast Network. I'm Jonathan Ellsworth, and you can check out everything we're doing and reviewing over at blisterreview.com. And once again, we are broadcasting this episode from our home here in the Gunnison Valley of Colorado, and you can find a guide to all the different types of camping available here in the valley and where those types of camping are permitted in a link to an article that we've included in the show notes to this episode. So check out that article, come ride your bike here, and then let's all just keep doing our part to be good stewards of this place. All right, today I am very psyched to have Brad Sims on the podcast. If you somehow have not yet seen what Brad does on a bicycle, then go get on Instagram right now and look up Brad underscore Sims. Half the time I watch Brad's clips, if I didn't know better, I'd swear it's all fake CGI stuff. The stuff he's doing is wild. Nobody out there does it quite like Brad, and because of that, you might think that it's been a pretty quick and easy path to prominence for a guy this skilled and this gnarly. But it hasn't been an easy road, and in this conversation, Brad spells it out. He talks about how close he came to calling it quits, he talks about his new partnership with Canyon Bikes, and his interest in all types of riding and keeping it versatile. I really enjoyed my conversation with this guy who blows my mind every single week with what he's up to. And so now let's go ahead and get to my conversation with Brad Sims. Here we go. Well, Brad, how are you today and where are you today? I'm doing well, man. Uh, better than ever. I'm in, I'm actually in Beverly Hills right now, California. Okay. Man, you do a ton of traveling, right? And I kind of wanted to ask about that in general. In fact, did you keep up this uh, pretty heavy travel schedule like through this past year? No. Um, through the past year, I actually haven't been to many places. The only places I, I went to, well, at least international, was to Mexico. Did a big jam there with some friends. But other than that, I haven't gone anywhere in a year and a half. So it hasn't, hasn't necessarily been weird for me. It hasn't been weird. Uh, I slowed down. I had to just get more focused on my career because I, I saw it, you know, slipping away. But I was, it was just time for me to crack, crack down and say, hey, you need to focus and, you know, be smart about your business. Would you mind saying a bit more about that? You say you kind of saw things slipping, slipping away a bit. Talk to me about that. I didn't have any sponsors for... For months, I was, you know, running through what little money I had saved. I was down, you know, I think I had $40 in my bank account. I was just not in the best space. So I just, I just said, you know what, I have to do something. And I had to come up with a plan. And I just I talked with a, you know, a few friends and I just kind of sat there and started thinking, you know what, I'm give myself a plan. I'm going to create an isolated plan. And I'm gonna stick with it for six months. I'm gonna give myself six months. And if I can't make something happen, like life changing in six months, grinding as hard as I can, then I'll go off and, you know, do do something else. I mean, this is crazy. Like anybody who's spent more than 30 seconds on like your Instagram page 
I mean, what you're doing is just wild on the bike. It's like, I just watched some of your stuff and I'm like, this is Neo from the matrix. <laughs> like, this is what we're, this is what we're doing here. So it's a little hard for me to understand how it wasn't all clicking and falling into place, you know, like somebody with such a unique skill set doing what you're doing. That seems like that would have been an easier road of having stuff just click and fall into place. It didn't work like that. Like I had a, 15 years ago is when I kind of caught my break. I got in there. I was riding for Hoffman. That was, that lasted for about two years. You know, they were, they were great. I was Hoffman target and I was doing loads of traveling with them. And I was able to, you know, earn a bit of a living back then. Then that, once that slipped away, that was gone. Like it just money dried up, like target left. So, you know, budgets, you know, they, went elsewhere and after that uh yeah i went to road for like an australian brand called the set and the guy mark he he took care of me for a while things were cool then and after that there was a, i would say a good um, one two three probably three to four years where i didn't have a, a frame sponsor no frame sponsor just a part sponsor and i was still had the shovel in my hand, scraping by. Didn't didn't have much really going for me. I'm just like, man, this is this is rough. Then got a like a, a local uh, frame company. This guy Ben out in White in uh, Montana runs a company called White House, and he did everything he could. You know, great guy. Um, helped helped me as much as he could. And once that came to an end, you know, yeah, we we parted ways. But we're so we're so cool. It's just. It's just years and years of either I just didn't have like the, the support that I needed to really take it to the next level, you know, the way I do right now. Hmm. How old are you now? 35. When did you really start like on a bike, like way, way back? When did you first start riding? Uh, when I was 11. Okay. And what, what got you into riding? Did you, is there a, good story there is it like many of us we just like i can't tell you how like i started riding it i don't know just bikes are around when you're kids right what was your story my uncle my uncle got me into it my grandmother you know 13 kids so there wasn't much of an age disparity between between us you know i have uncles who are like three years older than me or four years older and i also have one to six so he came to the house one day my grandmother dropped him off and I was just about to go to football practice because I was, I played football. He pulled a bike out the car and I looked at him. What are you, what are you doing with this bike? Yeah, I was thrown off because he was playing football too, but then I didn't even know, but he had already been riding for about six months and he could do, he could, he could already do tricks and everything. So I looked at him and I was like, and he pulled a bike. I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, man, this is my new, this is my new thing. I was like, all right. So I jumped on the bike. And just these little curb cuts around um, out in front of our driveway where I used to live. So I jumped off of it a few times. I watched him. I said, okay, cool. I can lift the front wheel up. I can lift the back wheel up a bit. This this seems fun. But I had to leave. So he sat around the house. He was kind of just rolling around the town. And I went to football practice. And football practice was never the same. I ended up just. You were thinking about the bike. 
yeah, I went to like three more practices. And after that, I was like, ah, I'm done. And I was, I was a kid that was on the field the whole thing. Like I played, I was running back, middle linebacker. I played special teams. Like it was just pound ball, but I was on the field nonstop. I was that kid. He's like, we need you out there. Like, Brad, you want to break? Good. Well, no, you're not going to get it. Stay out there. Wow. Okay. So you get introduced to the bike. That puts an end to a football career. Yep. Completely derailed my whole dreams of being a professional football player. That's where you started, though. That's that was the yeah. that was the initial thinking, huh? Yep. That's funny. I didn't know that background, but that all makes a lot of sense. And again, I mean, just the kind of the power. The two things about your riding to me that this balance of just power and balance. And when you're like, yeah, it was running back. I'm like, okay, this checks out. Yeah, this <laughs> makes a lot of sense now. Okay, so you're 11 and you're starting to play around on a bike. And then you said you're kind of the big break came when you're like 20. So talk to me about age 11 to 20, what you're up to. 11 to 20, I actually got a sponsor pretty early on because I used to race. I raced for three years. So... I think one time I was like 12, 13, I'd already picked up a, a local bike shop sponsor called Bike Doctor. So they put me on their race team. We had jerseys. They'd, you know, help out with races and stuff. So I did that. Then I was like, that's about three. I think I turned about, it was about 14. And I was kind of over racing. I was tired of people crashing me. Like you'd be in front of the pack. Somebody would cut you off, you know, and they'd crash you. And I, and I would go ride trails. I'd get off my race bike and I'd go ride my little BMX bike. I mean, my my normal just jump bike and I would, you know, everything would be fine. I could go ride for three weeks and not fall down. I go to the track one weekend and, and, you know, lose half my elbow because somebody, you know, either riding, either riding dirty or they just, you know, can't control their bike. You said, I like my chances better solo. <laughs> right. You know, if I go fall down a set of stairs, that's on me. You know, if you're racing like somebody who knows it, they might not let the gate down. There might be a weird malfunction with the gate. You clip the front tire, you flip over. Somebody pedaling down the first straight elbows you. You crash on a 40-foot-long jump, you know. So there's just there's so many, like, unforeseen like, you know, issues that come along with it. I mean, there's anything, anything, anything competitive when you're dealing with multiple people, you know. Something's bound to happen. So, yeah, I did that. Quit racing. I was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ride, you know skate parks and street and dirt jumps, everything else. And then my uncle, he got sponsored by a company called Bulldog Bikes. He got sponsored by Bulldog Bikes. And he told Jimmy about him. I mean, he told the owner, which was a guy, one of my um, close friends, his name is Jimmy, Jimmy Max. So he told him about it, told him about me, excuse me. And he said, yeah, man, you should get, you know, you should put my nephew on, help him out. Uh, he put me on. So I rode for Bulldog Bikes for, mm, okay, until I was about 20. Yeah, about 20. But I was just riding, hanging out with, you know, older friends. People would come down. They'd pick me up. We'd go ride trails. You know, I got, in, got I started to get more and more into street. By the time I turned 17, that's when I really started pushing my street riding because I was I was all around rider, but I mostly rode uh, 
ramps, trans yeah, transition and you know, dirt. That once I got yeah. when I got in my twenties, that's when I started riding less. That's not kinda with I went through waves. Once the geometry got kinda weird on street bikes, that's when I started riding less less transition and more street. Say more about that. When geometry started getting weird. Mm, the, the short back ends, like I guess the low, like you know, the bottom bracket heights. I, there, there's plenty of normal geometry out here. I just ended up riding some different geometry because of the brands that I was, at least what I could afford at the time. So things change. Then, uh, yeah, so I, was, I rode less. But now, let's see, going from you're there to boy, we're at, uh, my 20s, into the, yeah, end of 20. Yeah. So it was just the Bulldog, Bulldog. Then I ended up, I filmed the video part for Bulldog. And that's like a bit of a standout part as well. Then I also filmed a video part uh, called Shook, It's On. And that's really what changed my life. That's what, that made me a household name in the BMX community. That was my standout video. Like, I went from being essentially being nobody in BMX to uh like a, a, a nominee for like a video part of the year and like street rider and it was strange people were like hey man you're on the you're on the nominee list I was like what hmm. Hmm. so yeah so things started happening things started happening very quickly like I started get, like getting things like it was like some bikes and stuff here and there you know but it wasn't it took a while for stuff to like really start to, I mean, to start moving because I left Bulldog and I got on Hoffman. I got on Hoffman. That was another like indelible moment. Like Matt Hoffman called me up he and I chatted on the phone because I just got off from work. I was working for this industrial marine company and he, he's like, Hey Brad, this is, uh, this, this is Matt. I was like, Matt who? And he's like, Matt Hoffman. I was like, what? And I was like, Oh, all right. I was like, hey, how you know? We you know we chatted for about thirty minutes, thirty forty minutes. And he told me like, yeah, he would, you know, they would love to have me on a team, and he would just give me loads of praise. And I was like, what, man, Hoffman? Mm-hmm. You know, checking the phone, yeah, right. Well, talk a bit about as you're really starting to take street more seriously. Were there a couple key riders who's either style you just liked the most or were there people that you're like really, really paying attention to? Not asking who did you think was the best at that time. That's kind of a different question, but just who were you gravitating to personally? On that time, I was I was watching a lot of Ruben, Ruben Alcantara, Joe Joe Rich, Taj Mahal, uh, Van Homan, uh, Lester Cor Martinez. And I was really like people I was watching the most because – all those dudes rode everything, and I was, I was always, always wanted to be a well-rounded rider. So I mostly focused on, I'm, I'm, I paid more attention to the um, all-around riders, opposed to more who are just, you know, um, predominantly street riders. Which I also watched them as well, but that's what um, that's who I really paid attention to the most. Why was that important to you? Like, I mean, we see this in other sports. I'm thinking about like ski racing right now. Many ski racers, it's like they kind of have their one discipline that they really shine at. 
And then there's some folks who actually are able to make a go of it in quite a few. And I mean, what was it about wanting to be a well-rounded rider rather than just like just an exceptional street rider? Because when you're only good at one thing, you're just good at, at one thing. You're cornered. So if I go on, if you go on a trip with, you know, five or six people and they want to go ride dirt jumps, you know, they want to go ride trails. Somebody want to, they might want to ride ramps. So I didn't want to be, you know, I didn't want to be cornered. Like, well, I got pigeonhole, pigeonhole myself into just one discipline and I can't do anything else. If people, you know, want to ride other things, not everybody wants to do what I want to do and vice versa. So, all right, cool. You want to go, want to go to the skate park? You want to ride, you know, some ramps? Let's go. And it also, everything, it, it translates. I can, I take my race skills and put it to, put it to the streets. You know, I take what I learned from, from street and sometimes I can apply it to riding ramps, you know? So everything, they all have their, they all serve their purpose. I guess the question is a little bit from a, I think from like a career point of view, what you just said makes a lot of sense, right? Being more versatile keeps doors open and the like, but then there's a kind of different question or angle, which is just your own personal drive. I mean, you're a driven dude, but like, is it your own kind of curiosity and interest in trying to master a number of these things? Right. So on the one hand, it's a bit more, the first way to put it is like, Hey, I'm just smart. So like from a career point of view, better to be more versatile than less. Right. The second part of that question though, is, is this more of an internal drive for you? How do you see that? A bit of both, but also more, more internal drive. It just, it, it makes riding you know, like more fun you have more you have, you have access to everything and when you see it like cool you know there's you're not stuck you know I, I see riders are you see way more like nowadays there's more more kids only developing one skill whereas when i grew up you know riding bikes if you wanted to be around bike riders you had to go where bike riders were at and that might that may have been the skate park the racetrack, a parking lot, I don't know, like in the woods, jumping, like riding, riding in a ditch, you know, something. And that's what you got to do. Now, there's so many clicks and there's so much going on and the world's moving so quickly. You don't have to do that. You just walk, you just go outside. You want to ride street. You can, you call up a few of your friends and you got, you're all riding street, you know. So kids are better in some ways at what they're, they're better in some ways at riding street or parks and stuff, but there's less all around riders nowadays due to, due to the state of the, like, the sport. I think that's actually true of a lot of other sports too, where it's like when you see somebody with some talent and some promise, I think we're starting to push people. We're narrowing their focus at earlier and earlier ages and and kind of directing them, funneling them into, you know, a specific path. And so I think that probably makes a lot of sense that like when you, what you just said, we're, we're seeing really, really impressive people in a specific area, but maybe losing some more of that well-roundedness, right? There've been some interesting studies on this, actually, this whole process of um, over-specializing too early can actually really 
become a detrimental thing. You know, it, it can have like good short-term effects, but in terms of longevity, and this is like in all kinds of studies from like academic stuff to ski skiing or ski racing to, to bikes, but like you start losing that well-roundedness and it actually tends to not work out that great later on. Sounds like you resonate with that a bit. I do. Because if I was a pure street rider, there's no way I would be riding mountain bikes right now. I, like, I would have to learn so much. But now, like me jumping into mountain, I can, it just, it translates. I don't have to start from square one. I have 24 years of BMX, you know, riding behind me where I can just hop on. There's some things that are, that, that are going to take, you know, some adjusting. When I haven't ridden brakes in 10 years, so using my brakes to do tricks is uh actually not even not doing break tricks it's it's um slowing down you know like i easily i'll just i'll just be rolling because i'm so used to just rolling into something and not slowing down or just kind of skidding so so speed speed adjustment is is a big thing speed adjustment just um front brake you know usage cornering Loads of things where it's not jumping. Jumping is just, that's whatever. But those breaks. The jumping itself. I mean, you you kind of threw that away or dismissed that. But like jumping on a street bike versus now spending time on these bigger full suspension bikes. You're not noting that or highlighting that as a big adjustment? No, because that's what I grew up riding. I rode dirt jumps. Like I used to do like King of New York uh, dirt jumping contest. I used to go, do, go on these week-long trail riding trips with my with my friends and i, I never quit riding like uh, like i might not ride them as much anymore but if i if i go to a park and there's a good box jump sure i'll throw a superman seat grab over it or you know three three table and some people are like what you can ride transition yeah just my persona is in the streets mostly but i Ride everything I always have. So if any, anybody, if, if they fall, if they followed my career, they'd know. So I guess anything over like forty feet is uh, an adjustment. But you know, twenty five, thirty, I'm kind of cool, chilling, whatever. But when it starts to get like, if I were to go to Dark Fest or somewhere, those jumps would that'd be scary, like on, like on a different level, you know, like ninety foot long jumps. All right. I'm glad I got you to name something that would actually scare you. Because again, watching some of the stuff, I'm like, that might be the other thing, right? I mean, watching your stuff, it's like one, the power, two, the balance. But three, there's a fearlessness there. Sure, at least looks like it from the outside. But I mean, unless you say, no, nah, man, I get, a, I get scared. This is just years and years and years of practice like i know what i can do i I, i'm i'm comfortable in a lot of the stuff you're seeing how do you think of that dynamic well nobody's impervious to fear so yeah i do get i I do i have my times but it's very what i do is more metacognitive so when i see something if it's wild to me it's me you know thinking about thinking i run every scenario through my head like i'll sit there i might look at something for 10 minutes that's because i've ran every single possible scenario through my head like if it's me my foot slipping off the pedal if i do to hit the wall my front wheel slides off if i turn over and roll this way or that way once i see it once i visualize it in my head that's when i go for me i ride at 
I try to write at the almost the highest level I possibly can on a regular basis. So when I do go out, most things are normal. Like I normalize writing at a high level. Because if you don't, if you're always, you know, if you if you only ride five miles per hour, once you hit, you know, 20, 30, it's going to be a big adjustment for you. You're going to be uncomfortable with it. So that's why I try to, everything I post is, you know, I try to make it high level, like a different level of content. Whereas, uh, you know, you see something just is very mediocre. You see a lot of mediocre stuff. And for me, you know, I couldn't, there was no, there was no, it was never a space where I could just be mediocre. I always had to be next level to get somewhere. So I just apply that to any and everything I do. Let me ask you about this thing you wrote. You've, you've already touched on this uh, in some of the things you've said, but um, you put this up on IG on April 20th. You just wrote, decide what you want, make a plan, write it down, work on it every single day. Your competition isn't other people. Your competition is your procrastination. It's the knowledge you neglect. Compete against that. Conquer yourself. I mean, the story you've been telling in your trajectory, I think that's some really powerful writing there and some very good advice to a lot of people who are going to go try to pursue anything or do anything. Did you feel like that was always kind of a mindset of yours from the early days? Or again, was that stuff that you just learned life Life experience taught you that, you know, you were saying things aren't quite coming together exactly the way you may have thought they would. And so you, you learned from experience this. I always had to, you know, the work ethic that wasn't, that wasn't, it was never lacking there. I mean, some of it, you know, just comes through, just going through the vicissitudes of life. Simply just, you know, you got to figure out something. I was never a planner. I didn't grow up planning. My parents didn't plan anything you know it was like we were constantly just being in the moment and living out of a backpack for a decade traveling around it didn't give me much room for planning it was mostly like me being in survival mode like okay cool i'm gonna go here i can go there i know the cost of living is low i can go and hang out with friends and just kind of roach around the world and do these things folks like if i'm in the u if i'm in the states and obviously, I need more money. So when I stopped necessarily like living in the uh, in the moment, like completely, that's when things started to really change. You know, as I'm saying, like people who plan for rainy days don't have rainy days. You know, so that's what happened. I started like I created, you know, came up with a, an isolated plan. Like I knew I like I had a platform in front of me. How can I capitalize on this and, you know, get somewhere? You know, I had a long talk with, um, you know, Jason Richardson. Used to be a double-A pro, so still kills it, rides mountain bikes and stuff as well, BMX mountain bike. He's a he's a psychologist. So he and I talked and had to, like, unpack a lot of – had to unpack a – not a lot, but some things, you know. Talk with him, and he's like, man, you're in survival mode. You need to come up with a plan. So – Spoke to Jason. We talked for a bit. Then ended up talking to um, our best friend, uh, Brandon. He and I were talking. And he's like, man, you need to come up 
He's like, what are you going to do? You need to come up with a plan. I sat down with his father. His father was Brad. He goes, you need a plan. And all I, all the thing I was hearing from everybody was just plan, plan, plan. You need to create a plan. Come up with a plan. You know, he goes, the plan, you know, is not guaranteed to happen, but it, it creates, you know, the likelihood of it actually happening. You know, probability of increases the probability of it happening. So once that started and I just started just chipping away at this plan, that's when things started to really change. You've talked about riding in a bunch of different places. And I think I saw somewhere that you've ridden in over like a hundred countries. Mm-hmm. Is that right? That's crazy. Any particular standout stories from an extensive travel history or favorite places you've ridden? I would say the most recent one, like Tajikistan, pretty wild. We went on a trip with another very close friend of mine, um, his name is Matt, Matthew Samsky. He and I did the Pamir Highway through Tajikistan. So it was just, we, it's three of us in a three, no four. We had a driver, everything. We had this strange lady there, and she was just like just mad at the world. Nothing was nothing was good enough for her. But I once I started talking to her, I understood a bit more. Like she was just kind of homesick, and over the the honeymoon phase had, you know, had disappeared. She had been on her road for like a year and a half. Uh, yeah, I mean. She's like she's going to all these places and it's starting to become less and less, you know, appealing. Like the shock value is no longer there because she's just been in go mode for so long. Nothing was like really good enough for her. It was, it was, it was weird. So we were just on the trip the whole time with her. We had this other guy named William. He's from Korea. He's a CEO of some credit card company. He could, it was weird because he could, he could barely speak English, but he knew all these crazy business terms. It would take him five minutes to, you know, pick a sentence, but he would just throw out some crazy business terms. I'm like, what? It was kind of funny. But yeah, it was just, we stayed, we're like 15,000 feet up, 15,000 feet up in the, in the Palmyra Mountains, everything. It looked like you could touch the Milky Way. That's how, that's how high you are, how close you were. Just right on the Afghan border, you could throw a rock from one side, from, from, the, from the Tajik side to the Afghan side. Just, uh, just some, a lot of sketchy stuff too. Like, I think the day the day we finished the, the trail, like some bike, some people biking the trail ended up getting knifed to death, which is wild. On the trail, yeah, I mean it's like seven, eight hundred miles. It's a drive. You can ride it. People, people ride from like Osh or Dushanbe, Osh Kyrgyzstan or Dushanbe Tajikistan. They do the trail. It's the most scenic route I've ever been on. It probably has. There's a toss up between there and maybe like the. Urangongo uh, um, crater in Tanzania. I guess he's out of the twirl. I have, I have, yeah, other crazy stories like uh, like legally robbed in a in a club in Bulgaria. Like legally robbed? Well, yeah, they overcharged me for drinks. I bought like three drinks, and it came out to be like seven hundred dollars. Then like, they took my wallet. End up leaving the club and the bouncer ran after me and I knocked him out and like five other bouncers got me they dragged me they dragged me back into the club and you know they like not me they stomped me out it didn't really hurt me but I was just this is crazy I was like alright man I'll get you the money I'll get you the money this is this is me just paraphrasing the story is long 
But that happened and like the mob boss walks in, long trench coat. He's just sitting there. He's like, hey, man, um, you want to call your bank and give me my money? I'm just sweating. Like, uh, yeah, man, sure. I got it. I called I call Bank of America up. We're talking. And uh, they're like, oh, is everything okay? So they're like, yeah, I'm in, um, I'm in Sofia, Bulgaria right now. You know, um, I'm trying to make a large transaction. Right? And like, oh, like, like uh, you're at a you're at a nightclub. Like, yeah, you know, everything's fine. I'm sitting, I'm sitting there like this. Yeah, everything's cool. You know, no big deal. Just um, you know, just, you know, like, do you know how much the transactions for? Like, oh, it's like seven hundred sixty-five dollars. Like, okay, like, how soon would the funds be available? Like, oh, as soon as like, oh, they're available immediately. Like, okay, well, thank you. Like, you need help with anything else? No, everything's fine. Cool. Hung the phone up. He gave me back. My my phone, my cards, everything. As I'm walking out the door, because I was with a rider from there. His name's Vanco. He's from like the seaside. He wasn't from he wasn't from Sofia, but he was from there. As we're leaving, he's like, Brad, what happened to you? Where are you? I'm like, um, fighting bouncers and fearing for my life, right? As we're leaving, I spoke to him. He, he said, I asked, I asked him, I said, did you give them any money or anything? He goes, no. But he said, as, as we walked through the door, the guy says, good thing you had that money because if you didn't, they were going to take us out in the middle of the field and kill us. So we sprinted back to the house. Like, what? So we sprinted back to the house and got back there. And I jumped on Skype and I called my friend Jeremy and I told him the whole story. Yeah, it was wild. <laughs> yeah. So, okay, you get out of the country, you get left alone after that? I stayed there. I stayed in the country. It was just like, I paid them. They got their money. I just didn't go back to that club. You know? Okay. <laughs> I just stayed there. I rode my bike. And I was like, all right, cool. And that was, yeah, that was it. But I, yeah, loads of wild stories. Like, man, I remember I used to live in, I lived in Poland for like a half a year. I was there just doing like this contest called Baltic Games. We're standing around. It's out in the morning. We're out late. Like sun was coming up and I was with my friend Jeff. He and I were talking to these two ladies and like, man, we got to get her, get them away from this guy because he speaks Polish way better than me. And if the conversation keeps going this way, like you and I are not going to have anybody to hang out with. Right. So we're just standing there. I guess, I guess you could say I was, we're just standing there. We're talking to him. We're not, by this time we're at a bus stop. Sun's, sun's coming up. And the guy, the skater, walks over to the bus stop. They ask some random man for a lighter. We look up and over to like just scuffling. I'm like, what just happened? So the dude, he asked, the guy he asked, he asked for a lighter, picked up this bottle and smashed it over his face. So he ran back over to us and I looked and I'm like, oh my god, like that really just happened. And his face was just gushing blood and ladies start talking. She's like, this always happens here. Men, guys always get drunk and they start fighting. And I looked and I was like, this is crazy. Like, you know what? I can't let this ride. This is just, this isn't cool. So I just went over and I just cleaned him up. The guy who hit him in with the bottle. So yeah, I just, I just put him away and one of the girls, <laughs> one of the girls, she threw a skateboard on top of him while he was just laid out. But I just like, I'm like, he didn't deserve that. That was ridiculous. But, yeah, I got all kinds of wild. I got all kinds of wild stories. Yeah, like, story time. Yeah, like, I don't. I don't instigate this. These things. It's just like something weird happens. Like I've, people tried to. Like, I've been stabbed before. Like in some places, just 
Loads of wild things. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I kind of want to ask you about the stabbing story. That's long, super long. All right. Another time, maybe. Yeah. We'll say we'll save the stabbing story for another another time. Or when I come to or when I come to Crested Butte, you know. Come to Crested Butte. You you already got plans? Make I mean, them. Let's make yeah, them. I'll come, I'll come through. All right. Yeah. Come through, then I get the stabbing story. <laughs> yeah, but I promise not to stab you or extort you or, uh, yeah, yeah, won't overcharge you for drinks, anything. Yeah, man. This appreciate is, is gonna, it. We need to make this a nice trip for you. All right, appreciate it. Yeah, that'd be nice. <laughs> yeah, you got to come through. Hey, one thing I got to ask you about, uh, we've been talking a bit about this history of yours and, and working with different brands and uh, pretty recent announcement. You got a new partnership going with canyon tell me about that how that came about and what's going on one of my my, my buddies uh, you know have you heard of christian regal yeah christian we were all out in i was working on my real bmx part in like 2018 we were up in santa cruz and around the bay filming working on that stuff and he told me like hey brandon Simonuk, logan pete and you know a few of his friends are out there you know, riding. He's like, you want to go ride mountain bikes? I'm like, yeah, why not? Let's go do it. He's like, so much fun. So we go there. We hop on these mountain bikes. I haven't ridden dirt jumps in a long time. We roll in the first jumps, like like 35, 40 foot long tabletop. Uh, all right, let's just go. So we never start riding. One of the funnest days I could ever, I can, I can remember. Had a blast. So I thought about saying, like, man, you know what? I would love to get a mountain bike. I was like, these things are way too expensive. And this is the only time where like stuff's still super tight. I'm like, man, I'm like, I can't pay, you know, five, six, seven thousand dollars, right? I'm thinking about it, thinking about it. Then I just I see Christian riding. He's got, you know, two bikes and you know, getting some getting uh just riding for some brands, doing content and stuff. So I just kind of thought, like, you know what? I want to ride mountain bikes. This seems fun. You know, I feel like I could do some inter- interesting things, have, you know, make some nuances to the mountain bike industry. And we started looking at brands, started talking to some companies. And uh, my manager, I, I picked up a new manager and we, we started talking. We, told, we were talking to a few. Then I, once we, like, Kane was super receptive. Um, just the marketing, everything about it just was super clean and also like then I spoke to like the marketing manager there. He's cool. He has a you know background in BMX. That's you know how she came about. That's awesome. And has that been about a month now? Oh, yeah, I made an announcement in I guess a month ago. Well that's cool and that makes a whole lot of sense. I mean given again where we kind of you know were saying earlier in the conversation, it's like there's all kinds of riding out there to have a company like that where it's like this just slots they're making a lot of bikes maybe we're gonna get you into road riding that's gonna be your next thing i'll ride road bikes you know i hop on a gra- i hop on a gravel you know go cruising i'm not i'm not opposed to doing that i mean why not i mean it's just another bike they're all bikes just another bike but i'm really i'm really i'm really into the trail bike some there's a lot of people may oh you should get a dirt jump you should dirt jump i'm like that's just too close to home it doesn't. It doesn't make sense for me to go get on a dirt jumper. I have a BMX bike. Like this is, I didn't get on a. 
the, the reason why I got on a mountain bike is because I want to ride a mountain. I want, I want the suspension. I want to do, I want to do things that people don't think is possible on a mountain bike or things that you, people don't traditionally do on them. You know, I want to go do tricks on a, on a hardtail. Just go ride my 20. So that's probably giving a bit of a teaser there about like, yeah, so now you're on a trail bike, but still, still bringing some BMX style to the trail, right? I mean, we've already seen you doing some of that, but I think it sounds like we can expect to see a good bit more of that. Oh, for sure. Yeah, there's going to be a lot more. Yeah. My, the most difficult thing for me right now is just access to bike parks and stuff. We're like, I'll go to like just some like little, some little bike trails, little mountain bike trails that don't really have much on them other than just like, you know, those water bars. But I'm usually looking at creek beds. I'm looking for creek beds. I'm looking for just unusual things just so I can kind of make stuff up. You know, some people are like, oh, well, when are you going to start jumping? I'm like, I can jump. That's not, a, that's not a problem. But right now I'm looking for like these more like, more like project style clips. You know, I'm just every, I'm trying to, you know, I mean, I'm setting the bar high for myself. So I'm, like, I'm trying to wow you every time I, I post something. Dude, I think you're batting a thousand on that front. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, man. Let me, I did want to ask you about that. I mean, again, I, I kind of gave my take on what, when I'm watching these clips of yours, I mean, the power is pretty unprecedented, but really, truly the balance to me is so, so striking. I mean, to go that big with that much force and still like the control that comes in, right? It, it ain't just sheer... It ain't just sheer power, the control and balance. And, and I'm wondering, like, as you describe or think about your own riding, does that resonate? Are you like, that's weird that you're talking about balance. That's not really the thing, you know, like the attribute, say, of your own riding or style that you yourself think of. How do you think about you on a bike? My riding, I, I say I'm, I'm creative and... Balance and brute strength, combination of all those three. Like that's that's that sums up my riding in a nutshell, mm -hmm. right there. It's pretty good. Creative balance and brute strength, and a little bit of Neo from the Matrix. I love doing things that people don't. I love doing things people don't think is possible. No, that's impossible. I'm like, yep. Because the thing is, if it, I guess like we go like we touched on earlier. If the only thing you see is just these normal mediocre clips, like I like to post up that people in the office space sitting around, like everybody is sitting at, you know, the desk at Google. They're like, hey, check out this guy. Check out this. You know, I got hit up for it to do a commercial for Taco Bell. Like, we want somebody that goes high in the air. And I was like, well, you came to the right guy. I like to go high in the air. So, yeah, that, that worked out for me, you know. So is this commercial coming out? Oh, it's already been out. Okay. All right. I got to see that one. I don't think I've caught that. It was on, it was on YouTube, but it was on, it was all over TV. It was on like, it played during Daytona 500. It was on the all-star game. It was everywhere. It was on like Hulu. and I've been watching too much Netflix or something. I got to, I got to get back to the, seeing some commercials. <laughs> I want to see this. Tell me what you got going on for the rest of this year. God, we're already halfway through 2021. Crazy, right? Crazy. Let's see what I've going on. Well, 
I'll be making some new sponsorship announcements. So that's on the way. I'm looking to think, uh, I don't know. I want to buy a house. You know, it's always been up in the mind trying to figure out where I want to buy a house. So, you know, possibly be able to get a house. One of the big things that comes with mountain biking. You can't just throw your mountain bike anywhere. You need to kind of need a rack or a big vehicle or truck or something. Uh, and I haven't owned a car in 15 years. So like living down in Austin, I just, I just ride up and down the streets all day long everywhere. And I just, that's it. But now I'm able to mountain bike. I'm like, mm, parks two hours away, you know, ride. So I'm like, okay, cool. I need to, I need to make some investments. I need to invest in <laughs> a ride, you know, a depreciate. I need to invest in a depreciating asset so I can <laughs> take my bike around. Okay. So house somewhere, a ride. So we can actually get you to bike parks. And then uh, do you already have, I don't know, more plans for trip plans nailed down? Or is that still figuring some of that out? Or Yeah, trip plans. I, I want to go to some mountain bike events, you know, go hang out, you know, meet a lot of the people, a lot of the fans, the people who have opened their arms and, you know, welcome me. Like one thing, the mountain bike industry has welcomed me with arms wide open. It's like they have been waiting. It's unbelievable like every time i every time i post a mountain bike clip you know people are just the comments are just overflowing and i'm yeah i'm just kind of i'm blown away it's just like literally they it's like they were waiting like hey you have fans here on mountain bikes come here come get on a bike and when i the second i hopped on one it was just boom you know like all these all these cool brands hitting me up like hey we want to you know, we're we're a fan. We want to we want to be on. We want to get on board, dude. That's awesome. I mean, you've you've done a really good job of kind of just going over sort of your own life trajectory, and you've also done a good job of sort of saying, "Hey, it, it hasn't always been real easy." And it's cool anytime you see somebody that has sort of stuck to it, kept putting the work in, kept keeping the bar high. And it just does seem like, you know, things are, when it's never guaranteed, but like, man, when we see those moments in life where it's coming around or feels like it's coming around, that's a really cool thing, you know? And I, I imagine, not that you needed to see all this stuff happening for you, but it sure is cool to see when somebody's just stuck to their guns and uh, kept putting in the work. I sure hope it's feeling like a good time for you. That feels like kind of the, you're seeing some of the fruit of all the labor. I know I, I, I am now and it's amazing and kind of surreal all at the same time because I was that close to just saying bye, you know? And yeah, I, I stuck with it. I came up with a plan. It worked. And, you know, here I am. I, I'm, I have some of the best, you know, supporters in the game and it's only getting better. Well, Brad, much continued success. I can't wait to see the next post and then the one after that. Looking forward to the announcements that you got coming and uh, we got to get you out to CB. So I know you got to run now. We'll let you go, but I'd love to talk about that. It'd be so fun to have you out here. And uh, have you have you been in this part of the world? You've been to every other part of the world. You've been out here? I have been, I have been to Colorado. I haven't been to Crested Butte. 
come out with a bike, I think you'll have a good time. I'm going to let you get going for now, but we'll talk and we'll we'll see about making this happen. This will be fun. All right. I'll try to set something up like soonish. All right. All right. Yeah. We'll try to get something going. Dude, we're we're going to we're going to talk on this one cuz uh this this would be a cool thing. So, hey man, I appreciate you sharing your story and uh again, I mean, I I'm just a fan too. Keep doing what you do, keep doing more of it and uh all the best to you going forward, man. Thank you. I yeah, I appreciate it and thanks for the for the interview and yeah, I'll hit you up. I'll talk we'll talk soon and we'll get something going. I'll come out there. Dude, let's do it. Let's do it for sure. All right, man. You have a good one. All right, man. Thank you. You too. Later. Well, that's it for this edition of Bikes and Big Ideas. And if you are enjoying these conversations, then we would really appreciate it if you would just take 30 seconds to leave us that five-star rating or review in Apple Podcasts to keep this whole thing going and growing. I also want to say thanks to Brad for the great conversation. Thanks to Taylor Ahern for producing this episode. And thanks to you for listening. From all of us here in Gunnison and Crested Butte, please take good care of yourself and everybody else. And we will talk to you again tomorrow over on our Gear 30 podcast. We got a fun one for you tomorrow over there. All right. Bye, everybody. Talk to you tomorrow.